Welcome to the magic in daily endurance. I'm your host, Jesse Meister, coming to you this season from Canada. What if you could integrate the tools necessary to raise your vibration and change your life? This show will help you overcome your challenges, step into your power, and become the true badass you're meant to be. Join me as I chat with friends of mine that have dove deep into their shadow to see the light and are now ready to share their stories. This is the magic in daily endurance. Hello world and welcome back to another episode of the magic in daily endurance today, Ryan Sprague cannabis coach, uh, podcast host of highly optimized has also been a guest on Aubrey Marcus's podcast, Paul checks podcast. And we're here to talk about cannabis today, conscious cannabis, including breaking the dependency with cannabis, hidden power of cannabis, creating conscious relationship with the plant, how to take your power back in your relationship with the plant organically and consciously. Welcome to the Magic and Daily Endurance, Ryan. Oh, Jess, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. I am so excited to co-create some epic magic for your listeners. And uh, yeah, this is exactly what I love to do most. So thanks for having me. Me too. And we almost didn't hit record. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I know it's going to be a good episode. You know, like I had an episode with my buddy earlier, Brandon, and we have the same vibe where it's immediately just like battery charging. And those are always the times where I'm like, this is going to be absolutely amazing. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. I'm super excited. (laughs) The first thing I ask all my guests is morning routines, rituals. Do you have any? And bookends are also welcome. Night and day. Love it. Um, Share away, my friend. Yes. I love that you start with the same question because I always end with the same question. But this is being a trendsender, starting a new thing, right? And I love this. I might take this for my podcast, too, because it's really cool. And (laughs) You know, for morning rituals, um, I like the word ritual over routine because for me, routine was always like reminding me of homework. And so I love that you use the term ritual too, because for me, they are rituals. You know, they're the opportunity for me to essentially tap into who and what I truly am right upon my rise so that I don't allow the mind to lead the show for the day. And so typically what I do now, and I'll tell you how I came to this too, but I typically now just leave a two hour block on my morning where I get to just like do inner work, right, is what I label it. And the reason I did that is because I started finding that while it's good to be structured, I was finding that, you know, structure is great up until it's catastrophic. And I was finding that I can make things that should be fun into things that are like work, right? And I can should all over myself. Oh, I need to do this. I should do that, right? And so right now my flow is I wake up and I immediately meditate. I love meditating. It's one of my favorite things. It's been a long road to get to it being one of my favorite things because as a fire sign, as someone who go, go, goes, you know, the second I wake up, my mind starts telling me all the things I need to do. Mm -hmm. And so getting up and immediately pattern interrupting myself with 30 minutes of just silence has been pivotal in my just life as a whole. And so different types of meditations I'll do depending on what I feel. Um, The first meditation style I ever learned was transcendental meditation. So I do that. I've been really big on that the past like month or so, but also at the modern mystery school where I train um, in that lineage of King Solomon, I do a lot of their sanctuary meditations, which is a pattern or a program really of 
getting into the sacred shapes of geometry, the triangle, the circle, and the square, and then being able to go up and speak to your higher self in what they call the sanctuary and be able to get ideas, downloads, insights, et cetera. And so I'll do that first for like 25, 30 minutes. Then I'll go into my mystery school rituals, which are a combination of what they call calling upons, which are essentially like manifestation. What am I looking to bring into the world? Um, then their version of a seven directional prayer, some protection prayers, um, something they call the pattern of the trestle board, and then a bunch of Kabbalah rituals. Because right now I'm doing Kabbalah with them. And that has been a deep rabbit hole. And so after I do that, I then go outside and I get my eyes in the sunlight and I do usually about 20 minutes of breath work. And I change it up right now. I'm really big on breath of fire. Been liking that a lot. It just immediately wakes me up. Like no matter how tired I may be, if I didn't sleep right, immediately when I start doing that two minutes in, I'm like, wow, feels like I just drank espresso. And so I'll usually <laughs> do breath of fire. And then I'll go into um, a very similar style to Joe Dispenza does. And so it's a very like, it's not as intense as Wim Hof or any of that kind of stuff. It's more slow, deep breaths, but you're really like um, flexing the perineum on the way up and squeezing your abdominals on the way down and moving your cerebral spinal fluid through your through your spine. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you finally hold and squeeze, all of that cerebral spinal fluid goes up to the top of your head, pushes on these little tiny crystals, these, uh, these crystals in your pineal gland, and it creates this beautiful transcendental experience. And especially this time of year, like being outside in the sun, it's like high 50s, low 60s, all the beautiful flowers and just like having those experiences very soon after waking up just sets my day off. Right. And then from there, I get into movement, exercise, what I'm doing for the day. And then I hop into work. So, yeah, that's my morning ritual. And then for nighttime, this one is much more cooking than baking. I really just like change it up almost every night. Mm. But again, I have this like hour block where I just wind down. It's my wind down time. I just bought myself a sauna. And so I've been loving doing that. We have a red light on the way. Um, and sometimes I'll do the cold shower at night. Some nights, Rachel and I will watch a movie and just like have a movie night. Some nights, if it's a weekend night, which we'll get into more, I'll connect with cannabis. Uh, if I feel a calling to that, and I'll go into some ceremony work. And so, yeah, it's really just like winding down and getting ready to just put the mind to bed. Because again, mm. as a fire sign, I just want to keep going for hours. <laughs> and <laughs> unfortunately... Uh, I'm not actually the energizer bunny, so I have to go to bed at a certain <laughs> point. And so I've learned that through, yeah, I've learned it through many, much trial and error that I, you know, the, the way that works the best for me is to make sure that I don't burn tomorrow's energy. Although my mind will come up with every excuse to tell me why I could, and I should do that. So yeah, that's what the morning and nighttime rituals look like. That's awesome. And uh, when did you start doing them? When did you start incorporating them? Yeah. So morning rituals uh, started before nighttime rituals. I mean, I guess I've always kind of had like a nighttime ritual, but in terms of it being conscious, um, the morning ritual started in about 2016 is when I first started getting into like, I was always into, again, psychedelics, these kind of things, but I really started to get into spiritual development around that mm -hmm. time. And so it always started with breath work, you know, because I tried meditating. And I was like, this is boring. And so <laughs> I got into breath work because I'm like, I feel something with this. It wasn't until 2017 that I found TM and started getting into that. And again, like it was like that thing that I would always tell myself, oh, I don't have time to do, right? Which whatever you don't have time to do is usually the thing that is exactly right for you at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I got into that then. And then nighttime rituals really started around 2018. Um, that's when I really started getting into like, you know, doing the cold shower at night. Um, you know, I'm also a cultivator. So normally I'll go into my room at night and I'll work with my plants and things like that. Just to, you know, de-stress in there, listen to some music, 
um, being around plants always like really just like calms me down. And I used to do a lot of like down regulatory breath work styles at night too. And that's, that's, that's really where it started. Mm -hmm. And what was the biggest shift in your life that you've noticed since you started doing them? Oh, space. And mm -hmm. like, that is the overwhelming thing, especially like I didn't notice it too much when I was working at the dispensary and I didn't have like a really, I mean, I always had a full plate, but not in the way that I do now, like now that I'm supporting people every day um, and I'm helping them through like, you know, some really challenging emotional stuff and dependency and things like that. I found that if I don't give myself that space, I'm really not fit to be able to serve and serving is the thing that gives me the most fulfillment in all of life. And so being able to understand my true why, which is to be of service and also just really allow myself to enter joy, love and gratitude on a day to day basis that was really when I started realizing how valuable and how necessary space was in my life. And that's like mm -hmm. the main gem that I've gotten from being able to do all these things. And, and that I get to have time with myself, you know, like, you know, with the business expanding so fast, there's so many different ideas and things we could do. Mm -hmm. And I have constant different ideas coming through. And unless I have space, I can't really feel into which ones are like a right now thing. And which things are maybe like, hey, put it on the back burner and attack it in the future. So yeah, the space has been pivotal in my life. That's awesome. <clears throat> Game changer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Game changer for 500, please. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, okay. So I know your story a little bit just because hmm. I know Rachel. And yeah. uh so what brought you into cannabis? What brought you to what you're doing now? Like what you're doing is clearly blowing up. Like I'm watching oh, yeah. you as it's happening. And like, I haven't been watching you that long, but it's <laughs> getting like bigger and bigger. And I love that this is becoming a thing like conscious connection with plants. Yeah. How'd you get there? Tell me all the things. Yeah, this is a great question. And I love going back to this story because, you know, it really does put everything in context, right? Because if someone just sees what I do, they're like, why cannabis? Like, okay, I might understand psychedelics, but why cannabis out of all the different plant medicines out there? And until people hear my story, they might not be able to contextualize that. And so I love sharing the story. And so it all started for me when I was 16 and I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. And I had tried going to the doctor who met with me for a total of five minutes and then tried to put me on all these different pharmaceuticals. And every pharmaceutical I tried you know, again, as a 16 year old, I didn't have the language that I do now, but I'll use today's language to describe what my 16 year old brain was going through. And so at that point, like, I was obviously dealing with a lot of the challenges of the modern day world, which is, hey, um, make sure you know what you want to do for the rest of your life in two years, because you got to be ready for that, right? So I was feeling all of this stuff. And I think it's very common for people that age. And instead of actually having that conversation, the doctor just put me on these pharmaceuticals. And so I would try these pharmaceuticals with all the hope that they would work. You know, I really believed in the guy in the white lab coat. And so every time I would try one and it would not work, I started to lose a little bit more hope. And that was very damaging to me because I started wondering, like, is this the way the rest of my life is going to be? And at that point, you know, I had been a good boy just saying no to all things. I had bought totally into the propaganda surrounding cannabis. This is your brain on drugs. Cannabis makes you lazy. All of these things. And I had had some examples in my life of people that were living into that stereotype. Little mm -hmm. did I know at that point that that was not as a result of cannabis. That was just lazy people doing something and then becoming lazier, right? And so at that point, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a cannabis enthusiast at that age. 
And he started saying, you know, what you're describing is kind of why I use cannabis. So you should try it. And I was like, uh, but I was like, well, you know, what do I have to lose? Right? Like it's either my life is going to be this way forever, or I'm going to find something that works. And so I tried it. And the first time I didn't really get like the full effect. It was like the third time that I tried it. Because the first time I tried it, the first thing I realized was, oh, I'm not just turning into a couch potato. I'm not like, you know, I don't feel stupid. I don't feel any of these things. So I was like, okay, it didn't really like help my anxiety the first time. But I was like, all right, I'm interested in this. So I tried it the second time, the third time, third time I tried it, I had this experience where I realized that I was not anxiety. I did not have anxiety. I was experiencing it. And that then bred a lifelong question for me, which is, if I am not my thoughts, then who am I? And these are the questions that, again, like without space in our lives, we don't really have a lot of time to really settle into. And so that then started a journey of me questioning everything. Because I said, if I was lied to about this, what else am I being lied to about? And so from that point forward, I then began consuming cannabis quite often. It was helping with my anxiety, but I didn't understand emotional awareness. I didn't understand that like cannabis wasn't just a fix it all type thing. It was in retrospect, like the thing that could give me the space to be able to figure out what was going on. But I thought of it as the solution. And so like many people that I'm sure listening you know, I never got a user manual for this plant. None of us did, right? It was illegal at that time completely. And so I had to do it in secret. There was shame and guilt, all of these kind of things. And so when I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to go to school for psychology because at that point I was fascinated with the mind. I'd started really diving into it, you know, based on my own challenges with anxiety, then realizing I was not anxiety and all the things that happened there. So I go to school for psychology and my first year there, I'm about three months into school, and I wake up one weekend day, I go clean my car, and I go to the bathroom and I start peeing blood, had no idea why, right? So of course, I go tell my dad, he rushes me to the hospital on the way there. He says, I got to know, are you doing drugs, right? And I said, No, but I am interacting with a lot of cannabis, right? And I might have said it with different language, right? But when I said that, I saw him have a sigh of relief. And like, like, a okay, and my dad, like, he always kind of figured, but he was just like, I'm not going to talk about it. Just don't do it type thing. My house was always the hangout house. My parents would rather us be there than anywhere else. So he had probably figured that was going on. At that point, I thought I was completely secretive, you know, being so covert. And so when he had this sigh of relief, I remember like, because I was so heightened in that moment, my senses were on, you know, level 11 in the wise words of spinal tap. I was like, okay, that was interesting. So when we get to the hospital, I brought my laptop there and I was there for four days. And so over these four days, I started sharing with my father all the research I had been doing on cannabis, because at this point, a lot more science was coming out, a lot more studies, things like that, a lot more stories, one of them being a documentary called Leaf by Dr. William Courtney, in which he had a patient that had something like 11 autoimmune disorders, and she was basically about to die. And he started juicing for her raw cannabis leaves. So no intoxication whatsoever, intoxication whatsoever, just pure THCA, which is the unadulterated version of Delta 9 THC, which we all know to be the thing with cannabis. So he started juicing this. And over the course of, I think, I don't know, six months, he put all 11 of her autoimmune disorders into remission. And then they get married at the end. So it was like this beautiful story. So I showed him that. I started showing him all these things. And to my dad's credit, he didn't have any cognitive dissonance. You know, he realized like, wow, I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. 
And so at that point, he said, listen, Rye, you're in school, you have a job, you understand what you want to do with your life. Who am I to tell you not to do this, right? I know what you went through with anxiety. If this is really what's helping you, and you're also like doing the research and trying to be as smart as you can with it, hey, that's okay with me. And so from that point forward, it became a connection moment for my father and I. And it allowed us to really just bond in a different way. And I'm an only child. I do have a stepbrother and stepsister that are both awesome. But, you know, I'd always been really close to my dad. And so my dad was not a cannabis user. He just saw an opportunity to get an insight into my world and he took it, you know. And so from that point forward, about a year later, I go to the Boston Freedom Rally, which was like a it's a it still happens. It's a big public display of disobedience where everyone comes out into the green. They use cannabis. And as long as you're not doing anything or dealing or whatever, the cops don't bother you. It was a much bigger deal before legalization had happened. And so after that, when I was there, I met someone who essentially was yelling, who wants to make butter with me? And so I went, I want to make butter. So I go over to this guy and he's handing out a, a little pamphlet for an institute that is opening five minutes from my house, right? That's all about cannabis studies, right? So it's all about the pharmacological aspects, the science, the history, the cultivation, everything. So I go home and tell my dad, and I'm like, dad, could you help me out with this? You know, I'm a broke college student. I think tuition was like 500 bucks, but at that point I couldn't afford it. So he goes, I'll do one better. I'll go with you. Let's go. So we end up going there right around this time. I had convinced him to purchase me a grow kit because medical had passed and now I was legal to cultivate medicine. So he needed a good hobby as well. So I was like, dad, it'll be a father son project. It'll be fun. And he was like, all right, fine. So he ends up purchasing me a kit. We start cultivating. And our first harvest was absolutely terrible. So this is like right around when I found the school. So he was like, hey, this is something you're really interested in. He could tell I was passionate. Mm -hmm. So he ends up buying me a pass to get into the school. First day there, as soon as we went to the open house, I was like, this is exactly where I parked my car. Like, this is everything that I want. And at that point, I had realized I didn't want to wear khakis the rest of my life. So I realized that the typical paradigm for a psychologist was not for me. So I was going through a little bit of a, a dark night of the soul at that point. So I find this school and I start just really giving my all into it. So I start being the first one in, last one out. I end up interning for them, then working for them. And throughout this time, I end up meeting so many amazing individuals that were teaching me about all the, again, science, pharmacological aspects, history, but also the, uh, the science of organic soil science and also Korean natural farming. And all of these kind of things, you know, no-till cultivation, permaculture, biodynamic farming, all of this stuff. And I start getting really into it. So we, I switch over to organic cultivation and I absolutely love it. And at that point, I had also got really into holistic health because it was a holistic health advocate that worked at the school. She was eating sprouts out of a jar. I was like, I'm all about this. So I start getting into that, drinking apple cider vinegar. And that's when my whole health journey explodes as well, right? I'd been in fitness at that point, but I was still eating like, you know, not the best. And so after being there for a couple of years, this is now 2014, I go to my first music festival, Electric Daisy Carnival, Las Vegas, talk about overload. Um, and I do MDMA for my first time. Because at that point, I had still bought into the propaganda for every other medicine. You know, I thought MDMA puts holes in your brain, all of these things. So I did a ton of research on it. And I figured I'm like, well, I'm going to Vegas with two of my best friends. None of us had ever tried it. We had been in clubs for years watching people do it just saying no, right? Because again, it was pretty sketchy. You don't want to buy MDMA in a club. And so we had found a trusted source out there. So we bought a little bit. And uh, the first night I try it, we go to see some music act, I forget who it was. 
And we're in this crowd of like 50,000 people. Now I had looked up, it's a heart opener. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but we'll see. So I'm in the crowd and I start feeling this really interesting feeling. And I knew it had to do with my dad. And I had no idea what it was coming out for, but I just figured logically like, well, I'm in Vegas. My dad likes gambling. We're going to steakhouses. My dad and I go to steakhouses. I just miss my dad, wish he was here, that kind of thing. So it wasn't until I got home that I realized that my dad informed me he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so in that moment, I realized I had no way to handle or process that event. And so like, you know, that's when trauma happens, right? When you can't process something in the moment that happens. And so my dad told me he wasn't going to take chemo or radiation because he had seen what that had done to people very close to him, both of his brothers, um, many family members, things like that. He also didn't want to stop smoking cigarettes and eating junk food and drinking Coca-Cola and the things that, again, might not have been my choices in life, but they were my dad's, you know, and he was someone who loved me my entire life, supported me and always like stuck up for me. And so I had a fork in the road moment where I realized I'm like, okay, Ryan, you can either choose to love your dad for the person he's always been, albeit unhealthy, but at the same time, the person that's done these things for you and always been there, or you can try to control the situation and try to make him eat how you think he should eat, make him give up all the things that has made life worth living for him in the hopes that maybe he'll be around, but also potentially kill his quality of life in the process. Mm -hmm. So I luckily chose the former, right? The first choice. And I started to ask, okay, what can I do to help him? So at first he was very opposed to cannabis because at this point he still had not connected with it since like the eighties or something. And so, and so, of and, and the, actually the only time he had ever connected with it, he tried smoking a joint with his ex-wife and they heard a cop siren, like a town away or whatever. And they had hid under their dining room table and closed all the blinds for like three hours. So that was his only experience ever with this medicine. And my dad was not someone who liked to lose control. He was completely sober. He just smoked cigarettes. That was his thing and ate Oreos, a lot of Oreos and other things as well. And so you know, after a couple of weeks, he started experiencing some pain. And when we were at the school, a big part of what I did there was I would work with cancer patients. And the school founders, they were cultivators as well. And they would make RSO, aka Rick Simpson oil. He's actually from your neck of the woods in Canada. Mm. He's the gentleman that brought it out into the mainstream, but it's a, like it's its professional name is FICO, full extract cannabis oil. And so THC can kill cancer cells. CBD can inhibit their growth. This sounded outlandish in 2014 and 2013. Since then, a lot of science has come out on this. When I was at the school, I live in Boston. So Dana-Farber, one of the top cancer institutes in the entire country, is here. And so they were having, the school were having people come in and they were showing us their scans, right? Stage three, stage four, many different types of cancer. Mike was then helping them with RSO. And Jeanette, the person who worked there as a holistic aide, was helping them with diet, right? And so through those things, they were then coming back a period of time later with scans, no tumors. Dana Farber was mystified and they would tell them like, we did cannabis and we changed our mm -hmm. diet. And they were like, no, 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 this can't be happening. Right. So for anyone who wants to fact check this, you can go on PubMed and look up these studies on THC killing cancer cells, CBD inhibiting their growth. And that's just two cannabinoids out of the entire cornucopia of what's in cannabis, right? Many that we don't even know yet. And so... At this point, I decided to turn the last harvest that my dad and I ever cultivated together into RSO. And I just, he agreed. He was like, okay, yeah, I'm feeling some pain. Let's start administering this. And I knew it wasn't going to save his life because he wasn't willing to change the other things in his life. Because again, cannabis is not a cure-all. You can't just 
you know, live an unhealthy lifestyle and just fix it all with cannabis. It doesn't work that mm -hmm. way, but it can be a great aid to stop the growth. And so long as you're also stopping the things that gave you in the first place, you can get a lot of amazing results. And so I knew it wasn't going to save his life, but if I could increase his quality of life and allow him to have his dignity when he passed, because he had a great head of hair, he was like, I'm not going through chemo radiation, losing my hair. And he wanted to pass at home. And so I was like, okay, if I can give him those things, that will be a win for me. And so we turn this into RSO. And so here's someone who's never interacted with cannabis, basically. And now I'm giving him the strongest form of cannabis on planet Earth. So when I would give him this, I would sit next to him, right? We'd always sit in the living room. We'd watch movies and things like that, just to make sure he was comfortable if he needed any help getting into the bathroom, those kind of things. So I thought that was going to be like, you know, the experience. And I thought I had discovered the true power of cannabis. I thought I had it all figured out. And this is when my whole life changed because during this time, my father, like I said, we were always very close and I thought I really knew him. As soon as he started connecting with cannabis, this whole other side of him came out, this softer side, this version of him that wanted to talk more about his childhood, be more open, you know, speak about his fears surrounding death, speak about also his excitement around it as well. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think happens? Right. And we got to take the heaviness out of subjects that are kind of like part of the human condition, right? Like death mm -hmm. is something we all think about. No one really knows what happens. No one's ever come back completely after they've died to be able to tell us, you know, objectively what happens. And so I also got to watch him have closure with his grandchildren, his mm -hmm. other children, me, my mom, and most importantly, like I said, his own mortality, right? I got to see him take the heaviness out of death and I got to see him truly enjoy himself in his last days. And so when he got diagnosed, he was diagnosed July 9th. And I, I didn't know this at first, but they had only given him till October because he had small cell carcinoma. By the time they found it, it was already in his brain. They think it had started in his lungs. He had been having sensations and certain symptoms for a while, but he was one of those like, no, everything's fine. You know, I'm not going to go to the doctor. So by the time they figured it out, it was already way metastasized. And so I didn't realize that at first, but he ended up lasting all the way until the following June. Mm -hmm. And when we were getting his scans back, his tumors had slowed their growth by about 70%. So they were still growing, but they were growing much slower. And so throughout this time, you know, I got to watch him have that closure. I got to have my own closure. I got to connect with him. And I don't know if I would have had that time with my father if it weren't for cannabis. You know, there's no way to go back and say for sure that's what did it. But he didn't do anything else for health, right? So, you know, again, I was helping him juice and things like that. But there was very little things he had done. And so after he passed, that's when I realized like, wow, I just really tapped into something that I think is actually what cannabis is here to do. Mm -hmm. And so from that point forward, I ended up deciding this is going to be my life mission was to get this true power of cannabis out to the world. And so I ended up working at a dispensary for five years uh, with over 5,000 medical patients. At this point, I had been into checks teachings and all this other stuff. And I was getting into coaching as well. And so I was helping them with many other things. You know, they'd come in and say, oh, this doesn't seem to be working. I'd say, well, how's your sleep? How's your diet, et cetera. So I ended up forming this reputation at the dispensary as like, we Jesus is what people would call me. And it was always so weird. I was like, please don't call me that. But it was funny in the same sense, right? And so I really had a passion for it. And what ended up happening was this dispensary, we were the <clears throat> seventh dispensary in the entire state of Massachusetts to open. And so at this point, there was only medical there was no recreational. So we all took a lot of pride in our work. We were a family owned company as well. 
uh, where every other company was a big multi-state organization run by people who honestly have no place working with plant medicines. Mm. And so we were much smaller, but we had the best products. We had the best energy. People loved us. They were so committed and dedicated to only coming to us because we really helped them with so many other things besides just cannabis. You know, we'd have people come in all the time that said, oh, I'm just alone all day. You know, you guys are the best part of my day. And so we took a lot of pride in being that place for everyone. And so at a certain point, our company got bought out by a big corporation and it started smelling like office supplies and khakis in there real quick, right? Everything that I had avoided my whole life started to come mm. into me, right? And so this now brings us up to about 2019. I realized that I needed to leave, like, but I didn't know how to do it because I've been someone who will white knuckle and hold on to things for a long time. So I ended up going to this big conference with Rachel and another buddy of ours that worked at the dispensary, Devin. We were like the aspiring entrepreneurs there. And so we all went to MJ BizCon to find our own investors, bring love-grown cannabis to the world. And we thought it was going to be easy. So we go out there and yeah, we found a lot of investors that were only interested in how cheap can you grow cannabis? What's the most grams per square foot you can grow me? It was just like a lot of just really awkward energy, not my flavor of ice cream, let's just say. Mm. And so the last night there, you know, our dream was kind of dying in front of us, right? Like not to be dramatic, but like, okay, we came out here to do this. We had all these expectations. I was like, Rach, what do you want to do the last night we're here? She's like, do you want to like take some MDMA and go to a strip club? And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Best girlfriend ever award. So we decided I to love her. So Oh, she's amazing. And we had like, as innocent as it sounds, I had never been to a strip club. She had never been to a strip club. So it was like, we had never been to one individually and now we're going to one together. Yeah. And so we interact with some MDMA and we go to the strip club. And what I really want to articulate here is that when we went out there, we had expectations. Mm. Now our expectations had been lifted. We had no expectations. We were going to essentially party, right? Mm. So we go there and we have this beautiful night. Like we end up just talking to the strippers. Like we're just like hearing their life plans. One girl was going to create her own beauty line. Another one was getting into real estate. We were just having a blast, right? Mm -hmm. And they were just enjoying talking to us. They're like, you guys are totally different. You're like, not like at all, like, you know, interested in seeing us take our clothes off or anything. It was just super fun. And so- we end up just losing, I end up losing track of time. Rachel was like, can we please leave by four? I was like, sure. I end up looking at my clock. I'm like 7.50 in the morning. I'm like, okay, right? So I break the news to Rachel. I'm like, uh, it's almost eight in the morning. We're getting on a flight at one that day. And so because <laughs> oh she had been she had been feeling this too at the dispensary, she had been taking side work. One of these side work you know, uh, projects she had been on is writing out a 600 page application for a Chicago, Illinois dispensary that was going for licensing. Talk about fucking boring, Jess. Like this is the definition of boring. So <laughs> she had planned to work on this on the flight home to get a head start. She realized like, I'm not going to have the brain power or the sleep in me to be able to do that. So she went through this process of like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? And so in that moment, I was just able to take accountability and be like, I fucked this up. Like I didn't keep track of time and mm -hmm. I apologize for that. And in that moment, I just allowed myself to feel that. And all of a sudden I was in this bliss state and I was like, what is happening? And that lasted for like three weeks. And what happened was literally on the plane ride home, I have a pounding migraine. I'm a pre-Madonna for sleep. I've gotten like two hours of sleep, but I'm just so blissed out. And I started communicating with my soul and I was like, what is going on here? And basically my soul started telling me like, well, you've been not feeling everything since your father passed away. You've been keeping yourself so busy. You haven't actually given yourself time to heal and you've been numbing yourself out every night with cannabis. 
And I was like, what? Because at that point, I was only interacting with one bowl per night. I was vaporizing it. I grew it. All the logical reasons, right? Because yeah. I was never an all-day consumer of cannabis since I was like 18 anyway. And so when I get home, I once again take accountability. I'm like, okay, I'm going to quit cannabis completely, right? And just quit it. So I'm still working at the dispensary at this point. So I start going to work and literally like people notice something changed. I always used to wear my hair in a tight ponytail and I had had headaches every day for a year and a half, like these dull headaches, not migraines, but like dull headaches. And I had spent so much money trying to figure this out. I literally get home and I just start taking my hair down, right? Going to work, just like people were like, oh, are you going home and smoking tonight? I'm like, no, I'm actually off cannabis right now. And they're like, what? We Jesus off cannabis, what's happening? <laughs> so all of a sudden my headaches go away. And so like, I just laughed so hard at the, like the, the metaphor of like, I literally and figuratively let my hair down and like, just took a chill pill, gave myself more space, took accountability. And what happened during that time is after about two weeks at the dispensary, I was like, I'm out of here. And I ended mm -hmm. up quitting before that. I ended up starting a podcast because although I'd been told a bunch of times before, I just decided to do it. So I started doing all these things that I knew I was supposed to be doing that were in alignment but I had been telling, saying no to myself. And during this time, I ended up getting so many positive reinforcements through emotion from my soul of like joy, excitement, euphoria, et cetera. And for the first month, I really believed like, oh, cannabis did this to me. And then after about a month and a half, it was another opportunity to be like, no, I did this. This plant is nothing to blame here. This plant mm -hmm. is beautiful. It's helped so many people I know. So it's my opportunity to take accountability for the pattern I was running with it. So I end up getting into coaching. I meet Mark through the only good thing Facebook has ever done, which was connect us. One of these days that I'm in a high vibe, I just start posting. I just start writing from my heart. I make a post. I tag him in it because I had heard him on a podcast three years before mm. on Positive Head Podcast. And he ends up voice noting me. And he's like, hey, um, I really like what you're writing. We should hop on a call. So I hop on a call with him. And he's like, hey, you ever thought about being a coach? And I was like, ah, kind of, you know, like maybe. And I was like, I don't know exactly how he's talking about this, but I just felt this cue to say yes. So I end up signing up for Unlifted Level One. This is now January of 2020. Mm. I end up, you know, like I said, leaving the job and then the pandemic happens. And so when that happens, now I have all this space. And mm. so I end up after three months going back to cannabis, but I make myself structure. Okay, I'm only going to connect on the weekends, only if it feels right. And I'm not going to consume during the weekdays where I'm most prone to stress. And so the last three years was me literally saying yes to adventure. Flight prices were super cheap during the pandemic. So I just decided to fly everywhere and meet all these people. Mark invited me down to the lake house. That kicked it off. I then went to Chris Marhefka's retreat. I then went to Mexico with Danny Rios for six weeks. Then I hosted a retreat with my now business partner, Alex Morningstar. I met him at one of these retreats I went to. Then I went back to Mark's. And this has literally been happening just for the last four years. Like we've been traveling this is the longest we've been staying home, like a couple of months, you know, in the last four years. Wow. So through that time, I was bringing my cannabis around, which I grow with biogeometry and these kind of things. And I was asking people for help with coaching, business marketing. And they were always like, yeah, cool. But tell me more about cannabis. Can you host a ceremony for me? People just started asking me. And I was like, oh, I guess. Yeah. And I just started getting into it. And it wasn't until May of 2021 where I hosted a men's retreat and I had had this cannabis workshop on the calendar, but most people there had experienced my ceremonies before. So I was like, what am I going to do? So five minutes before this workshop, I have this idea get downloaded into me, this idea that I now call the conversation with cannabis. Mm -hmm. So I ended up running it with all the guys there. They love it. And they're like, dude, like, what else do you got for me? Right. So a couple of months later, I ended up connecting with Paul Check. 
He tries my cannabis. He's like, dude, what are you doing with this stuff? Right. He's like, are you going to create a program? So I end up creating this program and I tell him at his birthday party, I went to his 60th birthday party, which was absolutely epic. And mm. the whole time I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Right. Cause again, when you follow your heart, it will lead mm -hmm. you to things that you never thought were possible. So I tell him like, Oh, Paul, I'm creating this program. He's like, cool. Let me know when it's live. You can go on living 4d. And now I'm like shitting my pants. I'm like, Oh my God, I've been listening to this podcast for years. And now you're inviting me on. And so I'm meeting like Troy Casey, Sherveen Jafaria, Kyle Kingsbury. I love people. Troy Casey. Oh he's my God. Awesome. All What's up, people... Psycho Chicken? <laughs> yeah, he's the best. And so they're all asking me about cannabis. And I'm like, whoa, like talk about imposter syndrome, right? Like, it's like, how did this happen so quick? So through this time, I got validated by so many people that I trusted that I just fucking decided to go fuck it. And I went into it, created Connect with Cannabis. I go on Check's podcast. It blows up. And I just mentioned a check. I'm like, hey, you know, I've really wanted to connect with Aubrey. Could you connect me with him? He's like, sure. Um, but Aubrey doesn't connect with a lot of cannabis. You know, it's a hard podcast to get on. I'm like, totally get it. You know, just, yeah, just figured I'd ask. So a week later, uh, no, maybe two weeks later, I'm on the phone with my friend Jane, who Jane, I also met at the dispensary. Um, she ended up like getting so into channeling and stuff. So she's telling me about a past life regression she just had, where she remembered a lifetime where her and I were in Atlantis learning the manifest. And she was like, just going off about this. And she was like, like, look how fast you became friends with Paul check. And the second she said his last name, I get a beep on my phone and it's Paul check. And I'm like, what the hell? Right. So oh, I answer I it. <laughs> I know. And so I answer it and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Oh, not much, man. Um, Hey, I thought I'd call and celebrate. And I'm like, what are we celebrating? He's like, have you checked your email? I'm like, no. He's like, why don't you go check your email? So I end up checking the email and it's Aubrey getting back to me being like, yeah, 100%. Also, Josh Trent, a bunch of other people too. Paul had written this amazing email. The guy's amazing. I fucking love Paul and such an amazing soul. And so Aubrey's like, yeah, connect me. So I end up talking with Aubrey and he's like, yeah, man, you know, I'd love to try some of your stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I fly down to Austin, gift him a little bit and I fly back home. Uh, a week later, I get this ridiculously long email from him. That is him being like, dude, I have tried cannabis so many times. I have never had experiences like you've just allowed me to have. When can we do an episode together? Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, whoa, like this is wild. And so I do the episode with Aubrey. That's when things really blew up. And so it's just been this wild adventure of like literally my own surrender experiment, really. You know, and it's just been absolutely amazing. So I love telling the story. It's a mm -hmm. long story, but I feel like it gives perfect context to the fact that for someone listening, it might not be cannabis for you, but there's something that you're being called to do that probably doesn't make any logical sense. I promise you, if you follow that, it mm -hmm. will lead you to things that you never thought were possible. Maybe not never. I don't like to use binary language, but like that you did not expect to happen in the way that it happened. Put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's just amazing to relive it. <laughs> That's I love every single second of that. That's so yes. cool. Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm trying to think about all the stuff that you and Chase were talking about because I was like blown away with that episode. Mm. It was full of so many nuggets. And I'm like, oh, where yeah. do, where am I gonna go with Ryan? Like he's got <laughs> so much knowledge. Oh, and thank you. like I love the following your heart thing because I've also been on that journey for like the past two-ish years mm. and it it's protected me. It's given me lessons. It brought me to Costa Rica and now I'm here and now it's like, but now it's next, right? So yes. I freaking, and it's true, like for everybody out there, when you fully step into it, when you follow your heart, beautiful things start to happen. And it's like, that's why we're here. 
And yes. we're blocked off with that, with like all the shitty food, all of the stuff on TV. Like, no, you can't do this. Like you're successful if you're in the business career, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yes, Ryan, preach. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, Jess, because like, you know, what I want people to know is that like the fear is there for me, but I get to control it now. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it might sound like, oh, this was easy. Like, no, I had to go through a lot of evolution to be able to just like be worthy of like receiving these things. But at the same time, like what I realized is that like we hear things a lot. Right. And when you experience them, it's much different than knowing it intellectually. Mm-hmm. But the idea of fear either being forget everything and run or face everything and rise. Like Mm -hmm. before I do any podcast, I feel butterflies, right? Before I talk to people that I've looked up to for years, I feel butterflies. But the difference is that like Mark says, if you do the same kick 10,000 times or even a thousand times, you'll start to notice like, oh, that's actually excitement, right? Mm. But you have to do it enough that you can really experience it because you can hear it from someone else. Again, I can say it now, but unless someone has experienced it, they'll still like, potentially prevent themselves from doing what they're meant to do based on a sensation they're feeling in their body. And at the end of the day, like we get to create our own stories. And if we don't, someone else will create our story for us. And the people that are willing to create stories for us generally do not have our best interests at heart. Right. And so it's so (laughs) important that we start asking ourselves and questioning everything. I tell everyone question everything I say, right? Because I know Part of being an influential person and part of having a voice is that I never want anyone to think, oh, I need to connect with cannabis to get these things, right? Mm -hmm. Like my mission here is to allow you to see that cannabis, plant medicines, certain diets, whatever it is, nothing is a one size fits all. And at the end of the day, the ultimate muscle in life that we get to cultivate is discernment, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I tell everyone is whether you love what I'm saying or you don't like what I'm saying and don't resonate with it question it, right? Mm -hmm. Take what I say and go, okay, maybe I resonate with this. Let me go experience it myself. Because again, you might find that you agree with what I say, but you describe it differently. And that's Mm -hmm. so important because my message, someone might just not resonate with it. They might be interested in cannabis, but they might just not like the way I say it. But if someone else can say it a little bit differently, it might be able to go, oh, I like it that way. That actually resonates now. And so it's so important that What I always try to do is lay down a foundation of how I choose to view cannabis and allow people to take it and make it their own. Because if we want conscious cannabis to be a true movement, it can't just be me. It's like with Lifted, right? Mark understands Mm -hmm. this too. Any great leader really understands this, that like, it's not about the leader, him or herself. It's more about how much can they inspire everyone Mm -hmm. to become leaders? Because we don't need followers. We require leaders in the world. Leaders Mm -hmm. are going to be what's inspiring people to take the next step. And everyone in the world has the ability to co-create the life of their dreams and be inspiring to other people. And so for anyone listening, no matter where you feel in your life, like I remember when I worked at the dispensary, I would go home to my bedroom and I would watch Aubrey Marcus. And I like, literally that's where I found Paul check. I would watch him. And I just would like, think about like, man, I want to meet him someday. And now I'm sitting here being personal friends with him. So I'm telling you, if I can do it, I'm nothing special. Anyone can do this. It just takes believing in yourself. And when you can't believe in yourself, being around people that won't let you not believe in yourself, double negation acknowledge. But like, mm-hmm. you know, again, people that will call you on your bullshit, call mm-hmm. you on your lower self insecurities yeah. and make you rise to the occasion. You know, like that is the key. And that's again, like through that two or three years that I've been traveling, 
you know, the first two of it, like I started highly optimized. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what it took to run a business or anything. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that like, based on what I had known about business, you got to work hard, you got to do these things. And here I am traveling all the time. So there was a lot of stories I was telling myself that I wasn't showing up. I wasn't a good business owner. It wasn't until I met Alex and realized like, oh my God, I did everything I needed to do to be a good business owner. Cause I went and experienced things and I figured out who I was and who I wanted to be. And I figured out like the people that I loved, the people that I wanted to surround myself with, the people that could connect me to other people, the mm. things that I loved, like that was actually what allowed me to be on this screen right now, much more than just plugging away at business stuff. And now I've been able to move into obviously running the business like a real business with Alex and, you know, the people we work with. But, you know, again, like people are going to try to tell you how you should do things. They're going to show mm -hmm. all over you. Right. And I think that everyone has the best intentions. But at the end of the day, everything in life is subjective. Right. We have no objectiveness to reality. Quantum physics has proven this. And so how I say it might not be the way everyone likes to hear it. The way that I took might not be everyone's way. Right. Definitely isn't everyone's way. But. The idea is, can you get curious as to who are you? What are you? Where do you come from? Where are you going? And what is your purpose? Those are five questions I love to ask myself every single day. Who am I? What am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? What is my purpose? And the idea is, the more you ask yourself those questions, the deeper the answers will get. They'll go from, oh, I'm Ryan. Oh, I'm a cannabis coach. I'm a podcast host into like, I'm a soul. I'm infinite, right? Like the answer is no right or wrong answer to it. It's actually programming you in a way to know that the answer is whatever you choose to make it. And that's the real gem in life, right? Is realizing that like you can create any life you want. And if you don't, like I said, again, like someone else will create it for you. And so it's so important that you start asking yourself and getting curious to, yeah, who am I and what am I, where do I come from? Where am I going? What is my purpose? I freaking love all of that. Oh my God. I'm yes. like, oh, you're definitely woo for sure. Yes. <laughs> I go deep for sure. Like, I mean, part of like, you know, when you have a five MEO DMT experience or you do Kabbalah or you do these things where there is no human words that can even touch what just happened, right. you realize real quickly why like some of these old quotes, like wise is the man who knows he does not know are so important right. because again, like we'll never know anything. And that's actually the beauty of life. And the analogy I give for everyone for this is this, right? Like when in life have you really felt the most excitement? Has it mm. been when you knew exactly what was going to happen? Mm -hmm. Or has it been when you had a synchronicity, a serendipity or a chance encounter that mm -hmm. you didn't know was going to happen? Like I always talk about Christmas morning when you're like eight years old, right? Or for anyone who doesn't celebrate Christmas, whatever holiday, birthday, whatever, when you got gifts, right? Like the best part was when you were opening the gift and you didn't know what you were going to get yet. Once you mm. see the gift, it starts dwindling down and eventually gets put on the shelf, right? But before mm. you knew what you were going to get, you were fully alive. All your senses were alive. You were in a state of joy, right? And yeah. so if you can embody that state and learn how to do that and train yourself, just like you train arms or legs or anything, mm -hmm. you can train yourself to actually get enthralled by the mystery of life. And when you do that, all of life opens up. No matter how many trees you've seen, you've never seen that tree. No matter how many cars you've seen, you've never seen that one. No matter how many people you've met, you've never met this person. How do we know that the best friend we've ever had, we're not going to meet tomorrow, right? How do we know that the love of our life, we're not going to meet in five minutes at the grocery store? We don't know. Mm. And so like at the end of the day, like I, if people are like me or if you're like me, like 
I got myself stuck into a thirst trap where I thought I needed to know things. And mm -hmm. Paul Check has this famous thing where he goes, you know what PhD stands for? And he says, piled higher and deeper. Because the more intellect you learn from someone else, the less likely you are to be able to form your own belief systems and knowings about life, your own subjective knowings. And so what I always say is this, if you want to know what an apple is, you can read about it. You can understand the, 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 the makeup of it. You can understand the different varieties. You can understand how they grow. But if you really want to know an apple, you got to go eat it yourself. Yeah. And this is where I think people get, or rather, I'll make it more personal. This is where I put the cart before the horse, because what I would do is I would try to learn intellect and go, yeah, I understand that instead of how I do it now, which is I have an experience and I go, oh my God, what just happened? And now I go use my intellect to back up my experience so I can teach it because that's part of what being a projector in human design is about, right? Like we have experiences and then we articulate them like a hermit does up at the top of the mountain come down and share with everyone. That's my power zone. It's what I love more than anything. <laughs> That's wicked. And of course, uh, human design, Rachel. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I've <laughs> learned a lot from her. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Have you yeah. done Bufo at all? Yes. Yes, okay. I have. So what was your experience with that? I mean, it was like, I came out of it just like, are you kidding me? Like, just like, I mean, it's, so far beyond language or anything that we can comprehend that the the best way I can describe it is probably in the most dramatic language that maybe someone would probably be like, yikes about, but I literally understand what people mean now when they say it's a death process. Like it's like you died because you go so fast. Like, you mm -hmm. know, for instance, I've done, I've been able to connect with many medicines and I've had very big challenges. I've had incredible, beautiful moments with like five grams of mushrooms, for instance, right? Even if you drink it in a tea, there's going to be a come up that yes, will be fast, but like you'll start noticing deeper and deeper and deeper. Five MEO and Bufo is just like, boom, and you're gone. Like mm -hmm. you inhale it. And before you can even really think your whole body starts vibrating so fast and then you start realizing I'm not a body. And then as soon as you start having thoughts, your thoughts are gone. You're gone. Everything's gone. And yeah. you're just like, oh, and it's, it's ridiculous. I've seen people go through ceremony too of it. And it's just like, you're rolling around on the floor, like a fish, like your eyes are just, I mean, it's just, there's no way to describe it. Yeah. And during this time, Chase described it really interesting. He was like, when I did it, I saw myself walking down one timeline and I went, I don't want that timeline. And I switched on another one. He goes, I have no idea what that means, but I know it was big in that moment. Wow. And I know for me, when I went there, I started feeling, Paul Check describes it this way. And again, this is a perfect example of like, I had heard this. And then when I had the experience, I was like, that's how I'll describe it. He said, you feel every emotion of planet earth simultaneously. So mm. it's like happy, sad, ecstatic, euphoric, duh, depressed, angry, whatever. It's just happening so fast. I mean, there's no way to even comprehend it, you know, and the ego gets very triggered right mm -hmm. before you go out. And that's where it can get challenging. Mm -hmm. I've had two experiences with it. The first one, I thought I went really deep. The second one made the first time look like child's play. And so the second time I fully broke through and it was just pure white light. And it was actually extremely blissful, mm -hmm. but also terrifying. But I knew I was safe. It's just that like, I think anyone that, you know, has an ego when you get hit that hard is going to have like a little bit of like, oh, what is this? When I was coming back, though, I was just like, wow, that was, I mean, just awe inspiring. And I honestly don't know if I'll ever connect with that medicine again. I really think that I got my what I needed in those two times. Mm -hmm. The one exception would be I met Hamilton Souther recently. 
And this guy and I connected immediately. And I have actually yet to sit with ayahuasca. That's the one medicine I've yet to sit with. Interesting. And so, yeah, he runs a, a business down in Peru called Blue Morpho. And when I was chatting with him, I just connected with him. I was like, dude, I've been waiting for ayahuasca for a long time because I just wanted to really make sure it was with the right person. I've had enough psychedelic mm -hmm. experiences. I understand what the potential of these are. And I'm in no rush anymore. I'm like, listen, I only go to these when I'm called now. Cannabis is my ally that I'll connect with most once a week. I've actually been off for about five weeks now. I just take these breaks. But but like, you know, when I met him, I was like, you're who I'm going to do ayahuasca with. And he was like, listen, I would like to do Bufo with you. I'm like, listen, if you're the one going to lead it, I would feel comfortable doing it. But in that moment, I realized how powerful that medicine was mm -hmm. and how like how potentially like you could never come back the same way. And this isn't to like, you know, make anyone fearful or anything like that, but Whatever experience I had allowed me to really tap into a part that was like, dude, you're messing with something very powerful. Make sure that you have the exact right person to guide you back. If for any reason, you don't know how to get back yourself. And Paul describes mm -hmm. this as like, you essentially are attached to a tether when you're going in psychedelic journeys and nothing says that tether can't snap, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the experiences we hear about from time to time, albeit not often enough because I'm a huge psychedelic proponent. But I also feel it's my duty and responsibility to tell people like, listen, you know, don't get talked into these things because you think they're cool. Right. Don't get talked into them from anyone that might have your best interest at heart, but only you are going to know if it's a calling or just a craving in terms of cannabis or other medicines that are dependent forming like that, or something that you're just doing because you feel like it might be the answer. Like do it with people, especially medicines like ayahuasca and 5-MeO do those with people that really know that terrain. You know, you want to eat a gram of mushrooms or maybe even a higher dose. You know, you want to take a tab of acid, interact with cannabis. I'm not, again, I'm not advocating this, but I'm saying like those things generally are going to be much safer than doing five amino and things like that mm -hmm. from like a spiritual and uh, really a spiritual point of view. So yeah, it was powerful for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so cool. And I let me know if you do ever sit with Aya because like I know she's changed my life. Yes, so, I'm yeah. so excited. I will be for sure. You know, there is talk about me going there in July. Um, I've talked to Hamilton. He's like, dude, you got a seat whenever you're ready. And so, um, you know, I'm really excited. And also I'm like, hey, I know it's going to happen. Again, I'm in no rush and I know it'll be the perfect time. And I recently met uh, a mutual friend of Hamilton eyes and, and eyes, this girl, uh, this woman, Barrett, and I've been getting a true calling to go train with Hamilton, mm -hmm. not because I want to be a shaman necessarily, but because I'm just really curious about like, I know what I know with cannabis and from Kabbalah and all these different spiritual things. But, you know, Hamilton is the real deal. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, he's probably like any shaman you meet is a truly a shaman. And I'm just fascinated with that world. And so Barrett's training with him right now. Her and I did a great podcast. She is on another level. I mean, there are certain people I meet that enjoy the very challenging experiences, like like truly enjoy them, right? Like, you know, I enjoy challenges as I'm coming out of them. And I'm like, oh, this is why that happened. She's like, yeah, I'll see the clowns with the pointy teeth. And, you know, they're like guard keeping. So I'll just go up and talk to them. I'm like, you're amazing. Like just being able to do that. And so... She was telling me that in July, there's like a really beautiful crowd going down there. So I'll tune in mm. and see how it feels. But yeah, I definitely will be. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. She's got to call you. And then you go, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes.
So when you're sitting consciously with cannabis, mm. let's like circle back um, mm -hmm. to like, do you have, what do you do in your own? Because I know what I do and not all mm -hmm. the time I should become, yeah. I stop shooting on yourself, <laughs> connect with the cannabis before I smoke it or yeah. ingest it or whatever. What, what do you do? Yeah, this is a great question. What I want to state to everyone first blatantly is that by no means is my way the right way. It's mm -hmm. simply my way. And it's the way that I found works for me. I'm also not a rules guy, right? So I don't want anyone to think that in order to interact with cannabis correctly, they have to do this or any of that, right? Like I had beautiful experiences with cannabis before I knew any of this. It's just that now I'm able to have that every single time. So that's why I choose to do this, right? Because I found that when I do it in this way, it leads me much more to joy, love, and gratitude. I'm able to connect with the spirit of cannabis, be co-creative and co-communicative in my relationship. And that for me is exactly the right flavor of ice cream for me. And that's why I do it in this way. And so for me, I have a four-step process that I call the highly optimized way. That is a great foundation for anyone who's listening to be able to walk away with this uh, from this episode with practical tips to go try out and experiment yourself with. And so the first tip is to take a minimum of a three-day break per week, right? Mm -hmm. And again, this isn't just because it's the right way or anything. It's because if you're looking to connect with cannabis as a spiritual aid and ally and to preserve the transcendental and spiritual properties of it, it takes a endocannabinoid system that is not completely saturated. And so when you look into shamanistic cultures, they actually follow the exact protocol I do, which is five days off, two on. Mm. And when I first came up with this, it was just like, oh, the weekdays are the times I get most stressed. So I'm not going to do it on the times that I'm most prone to numb out. I'm going to do it on the weekends when I have more space. And then I started reading about it in this book, Cannabis and Spirituality, that a good buddy of mine, Stephen Gray, wrote. And they were talking to these indigenous elders and they were like, yeah, we typically do it Saturday and Sunday. And they were talking, talking about the same reasons. I'm like, wow, the morphogenic resonance field is so true from Rubric Sheldrick, you know? And so for me, I do five day breaks per week. Uh, what I tell everyone is minimum three days, you'll be able to, like the day you come back from that, like the fourth day when you connect with it, that will be the day that you really have the transcendental ceremony. And you really start realizing that cannabis is a psychedelic, right? And that's something I fully believe, right? And so at the end of the day, you do this three-day break first. Then that's like pre-ceremony. During ceremony, now what you're going to do is first set an intention. So something really important to know about cannabis is that it is a feminine medicine. And so it requires a masculine component of intention setting to balance the scales, right? Otherwise, it's all too easy to get sucked into the feminine and then blame the plant for making you lazy, right? Cue disempowering state of being for 500, please, right? And so, so <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You, yeah, you make this intention. And again, like when we talk about intention, there's a lot of spiritual stuff happening right now, right? And while I'm so much a fan of making an intention to go connect with my spirit guides or my higher self or any of these things, if someone listening doesn't resonate with that, it could simply be, I want to experience happiness. I mm. want to know what it feels like to be five years old again. I want to connect with my romantic partner and have amazing sex. It can be whatever you want. Like intention is for you. Don't think that it has to be anything. It can be whatever you want. And so once you've created an intention and you've told the medicine why you're coming to it, now you move into the third step, which is ceremony, right? So the idea of ceremony for me, and you'll hear this defined much differently in many different places, but for me, ceremony is a contextual container from which your intention can play out within. So it's got to be practical, right? So a lot of people hit me up. Does this mean that I can't ever watch a movie with cannabis anymore or go to a concert? I'm like, no, 
That doesn't mean that at all, right? I'm not a rules guy. I'm a choices and decisions person. So what that means is that if you're looking to say, connect with your higher self, you probably don't want to be at a concert, right? Because mm -hmm. that's not a practical container from which that intention can really be manifested in. Now, if you are hanging out with a friend you haven't seen for a while and you guys want to go see your favorite band together and your intention is to connect with your friend, uh, this concert might be a perfect container. There are also other things to be aware of if you're going into a public setting in a very high stimulus setting. Um, some of those being that cannabis does produce a sympathetic nervous system response on onset. Mm. So if you're already upregulated, then you connect with cannabis in a new environment, something that's a high stimulus, you increase the chances of having a panic attack or having anxiety come forth, these kind of things. But again, it's not because of cannabis. It's just because you might have failed to take accountability and note of your internal state of being before connecting with the plant, right? And so whatever your, you know, ceremonial container is, there's certain things I do to create that sacred space, right? Especially like if you're at a concert, you can't really, you, I guess you could do these things, but people will probably look at you a little strange. But for me, what I do is I first cleanse my body with sage, right? So I do a couple of different techniques. First, I'll draw an outline over my entire body, you know, up one arm, over the head, et cetera, et cetera, down one leg, under my feet, which is very important. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll sage and cleanse my space. Hmm. And from there, and sometimes what I'll actually do is I'll do my chakra system with sage. This is something I learned from Czech. Um, and that one's a little bit lengthier. It takes me about 20 minutes to do it um, because essentially what you're doing is it's hard to explain like this, but basically what you're doing is you're having the sage and you're putting it into your chakras and it's burning. Of course, you're not like touching it, but you're seeing if the smoke is getting pulled into your chakra and you're mm -hmm. fanning it in. And then at a certain point, what will happen, right? So you can see it on the thing. What will happen is you'll all of a sudden start seeing the smoke when your chakra is full, start going away. And then you're like, all right, that one's done. Then you go to the next what? chakra and it will start getting sucked in. You'll start noticing it, right? And so again, I learned this through um, Paul Check's Shamanic Sound Healing Workshop. Fantastic workshop for anyone who's interested about it. So after that's done, then I've now neutralized all the energy in my space, which is what Sage does. It neutralizes everything. So even any positive energy in there will neutralize. So now mm -hmm. you need to reinvigorate it with conscious positive energy. So now I go to Palo Santo, do the same thing, trace my body. I don't usually do the chakra system with it. Paul never said we needed to do that with that. And then I'll just do my space with it, right? Now I've reinvigorated positive energy. I also have in my space biogeometry. So this is the biogeometry <laughs> cube right here. This is a very powerful piece of technology. It's a deep rabbit hole. We can definitely get into it if you want to, but you know, luckily you don't really need to understand this for this to work. Um, you can just purchase it. There's a lot of great episodes out there about it, but I'll have that in my space to uh, in to pretty much put what's called BG3 into my energy field mm -hmm. and into my aura and into my space. And that is essentially the energy of God, source, whatever you want to call it. It's the centering, harmonizing energy at the very middle of a circle, right? Mm -hmm. So that is another way of saying God, another way of saying what the mystery school calls NSOF, whatever we want to look at it, right? So I have that in there. And then what I'll do is I'll do a seven directional prayer, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll thank the north, the east, the south, the west, the sky, the earth, and to my own center, my heart. And then from there, that's when I'll, you know, set my intention and then go into that space and go through any modality I'm doing. Sometimes I'm just laying down and going through a body scan meditation. Sometimes I'm doing more of an active like conversation with cannabis journaling type thing. Sometimes I'm going to belief systems. Sometimes I'm looking at the music that I have on repeat and picking songs that I'm really resonating with and then uh, figuring out in a sober state 
what I believe those songs to represent to me. And mm -hmm. then connecting with the plant, listening to those songs and seeing what emotions come through me, potentially musical therapy. Sometimes I'm doing Tai Chi and Qigong. Sometimes I'm doing breath work. Sometimes I'm doing manifestation and goal setting. It all depends on how I feel in that moment, right? So I'll go through that ceremony. And then once the ceremony is concluded, I've got my idea, my download, et cetera. I'll then go into my final step. And the part that I believe is the most important. And if you choose to connect with cannabis as a medicine and an ally, it is a non-negotiable step. And that is integration. Mm -hmm. So integration is a buzz term. We hear it thrown around everywhere. And how I want to make it practical or how I hope to make it practical is that integration is where you take your P-E-A-K peak experience. Oh my God, I saw this amazing thing. They reminded me of this feeling. And oh my God, I got to start painting again. And you start turning it into a P-E-E-K peak experience, which is where in your sober state of reality, you can start to feel the magic that you experienced in that P-E-A-K experience. That mm -hmm. is what I believe integration to be. So to give an example, let's say you're in a cannabis ceremony, you have an intention to explore creative block. You get this download that you want to start painting again, that when you were a kid, you really connected with this. You come out of that ceremony and let's say in the first scenario, you just don't do anything, right? Then after a while, you feel this creative block again, you connect with the plant again, and you start figuring out and realizing, oh, I guess to not be in a creative block, I just got to use cannabis all the time, right? That's what happens to a lot of people. They mistake cannabis as the moon or sun instead of the finger that's mm. meant to point you back at it, right? What I always say is cannabis can give you the what, it's up to you to figure out the how. When I, when I came up with that saying, I did not realize that how was an acronym for highly optimized way. So that was like another whole like, what just happened, right? So cannabis will show you the what. Uh, you got to figure out the how. So let's say in another example, you come out of that experience or even it's still in the experience because cannabis is very practical compared to other medicines. You get that download and you're like, I'm buying a paint kit. You go on Amazon where you buy a paint kit, right? Paint kit comes, you start painting. You're like, oh my goodness, I want to sign up for a paint class. You go to that paint class. All of a sudden now you're opening the doorway to synchronicities, serendipities, mm -hmm. chance encounters, et cetera, right? So that is how these plants work as I see it anyway, right? And so once you finish that, You've now completed the highly optimized way. You can take that, mold it however you want, but take that three-day break. When you come back, set an intention, have a practical ceremonial container, and then integrate after, and you will be light years ahead of 99% of cannabis users just being able to do that alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, my mind <laughs> is being full alone, and I'm like, oh my god! I just I need to come down there and just like hang out. Yeah. Yes, come down whenever. Oh and... man, <laughs> bring the bulls, and we'll make a ceremony with like bulls yes. and cannabis, and just like yes. chill. It'll be great. Oh man, you know what's funny is uh, you know, when I was at Paul Shamanic Sound Healing Workshop, this gentleman there brought this incredible sound bowl. It was like huge probably one of the biggest crystal sound balls i've ever seen and he had this wild story that went along with this guy's name is john cooley he's amazing and uh he had this story that the guy who basically started remaking these was a billionaire was going into people's like artifact collections to buy things found the sound bowl had heard the story that it cured people's cancer all this stuff so he started remaking it so anyway now we're at check's house he's got this gigantic sound bowl so after everyone leaves i'm hanging out Paul's there. A um, couple other people, Michael Prieto, who I love, shout out to him. Um, his partner, Ashley, John Cooley, my buddy, Will Burnett, um, who does uh, breath work. He's in the elected community too. And then Brady Brewer. So we're all hanging out. And uh, Paul and I go up to the office. We blow some bags. I come down or actually we're, <laughs> I come down from his office 
And if anyone's been to the Rainbow House, you'll know what I mean. I come down from his office. I go into like his his gym area where the workshop was held. And I forgot that I was going to make them a bag. So they're like, hey, man, make us a bag. I'm like, all right. So uh, they're like, hey, we should put the cannabis in the middle of this sound bowl first, sing it, and then put it in the volcano. I'm like, guys, let's send it. So we do that. We oh put it in the God. sound bowl. We, we sing the sound bowl. Then we start breaking it up and we put it in the volcano. We blow a couple bags of this. And then we all just start zoning out, playing the sound bowl. Paul comes down. He's like, holy shit. What are you guys doing out here? I could hear that thing through the wall in my office, right? His whole like office is cement. So we're all connected with cannabis together. He's singing it. And we're all just like, whoa, just like zoning out and just tuning in. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences. The sun was setting. His house is right over the mountains. It was like mm -hmm. one of the best experiences of my life. So when you mentioned bowls, I'm like, yes, sign me up. <laughs> right. And yeah. it is like connecting that the energies, right? Having yes. that intention and actually wanting to connect one with yourself and yes. then the sound and then the medicine. Like, yes. and you combine all of that. And it's like this, this is the magic. Yes. Uh, we're all here to experience, not on like, hey, let's get fucked up and like, like <laughs> where's my car? Like, no, yeah. let's, let's connect with ourselves and realize that we are these high vibrational beings that are here to create and manifest and have all these synchronicities and coincidences. And I'm like, yes. thing, <laughs> hand signs up here on the Zoom chat. And it's, yes, you can't make this shit up. Like, you really can't. You really can. And that's like my whole mission with cannabis is like, guys, like this is not something that I discovered. It's a remembering that a lot of people now with the leveling up of the consciousness, the planet Earth are tapping back into. This is how cannabis has been viewed for over 10,000 years. Right. And for mm -hmm. anyone who's not up on the history, like it's only been in the last hundred, not even full hundred, eh, right around a hundred now, actually. It was really in like the twenties and thirties that cannabis started to get stigmatized. Why? Well, if you really mm -hmm. dive into it, right, there was a guy named Andrew Mellon and a couple other individuals who at that time owned um, uh, William DuPont was another one, the nylon industries, the cotton industries, and also I believe it was Andrew Mellon who ran the largest journalism company at that time. So they all got together and were like, hey, we're going to lose a lot of fucking money if hemp starts becoming this big thing, right? Now, the Declaration of Independence is written on hemp paper, right? So like hemp has been a part of our world, especially here in America and Canada and all over the world. Since the dawn of time, we've been co-evolving with cannabis since the dawn of time. We have an endocannabinoid system mm. that is the largest regulatory system in our body. The only system in our body that has two-way communication between mind and body, right? And it just so happens that the phytocannabinoids found in the cannabis plant fit like locks and keys into exactly where the endocannabinoids fit in the CB1 and CB2 receptors. Coincidence? I think not, right? So at the end of the day, we don't have a... Um, you know, a benzodiazepine system. We don't have a, you know, necessarily like a synthetic opiate system, right? We don't have an alcohol system, but mm. we do have this, right? And so it begs the question why. And so in the 30s, they got together and they formed this idea of turning cannabis into marijuana, which was a, a racist term they coined that essentially created reefer madness. Now, for anyone who isn't aware of how fucked up reefer madness was, the whole story was that, and this is, again, not my story because this is going to be extremely wild. And I want, hopefully no one takes this out of context or like clips this one part. But, you know, again, they were saying that Mexican men were coming up and raping white women with this plant called marijuana and that it needed to be banned overnight. And so they went to Congress and essentially overnight got this 
marijuana, which was cannabis, banned. Now, in the morning, every doctor woke up because cannabis was a part of over 60% of every medicine made at that point. And they were like, what the fuck did they ban? Right. And so, again, this has only been for not even 100 years. Right. And so there's a great book called Lieber 420, Cannabis, Magical Herbs, and the Occult. If someone really wants to know the true history, I usually have it right here, actually. Um, If someone wants to know the true history... That's how much history is in this book, right? Like every, every occult practice since the dawn of time, Jesus's anointing oil is actually a primitive form of RSO. So Chris Bennett believes in the Bible, there's this plant they talk about called cannabosum and it's been translated to mean calamus, which is a pretty like basic plant. Chris Bennett believes that it's actually cannabis is cannabosum. Mm -hmm. And if so, the recipe that Jesus gives for making this, right, is literally very similar. It's pretty much this cannabosum plant and grain alcohol cooked and then given to people in the form of an oil. It's exactly what RSO and FICO are, right? So again, I wasn't alive during that time. I can't say for sure, but the evidence is very interesting, right? So again, like what I want people to know is you don't need to connect with the plant. You don't need to necessarily want to do it in your life, but understand that So long as like, I don't care what anyone believes about cannabis, so long as they have come to that conclusion themselves, Mm. not from what they were told, not from what society's told them, not from what their parents told them, not from what dare told them, not from what the pharmaceutical and the medical industry has told them, because Mm -hmm. they all have one thing in common, which is they do not want you to know how powerful you are. And they do not want you to know that you can heal yourself with plants that you can grow in your backyard, because that is not good for business, right? Straight up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, yeah. It's wild. <laughs> Can't make money off healthy people. Exactly. You know, right? and, and like, you know, again, it doesn't even take a conspiracy. It's just like, is that good for business? No. And they're business people. So it's not even a conspiracy. It's just like, right? again, it's, it's not some big plot necessarily. Who knows? It could be, right? I don't know. But, but if someone's like, oh, a conspiracy, it's like, listen, if their business is making money off sick care, because it's not truly health care, mm-hmm. health care is proactive, not reactive. Sick care is, oh, I'm sick. Now let me go figure it out. If they have a business around treating people with sick care, would they want them to truly be informed about healthcare, or would they try to make it so fucking confusing that mm. people just go, oh, I'm just going to outsource it to the guy in the white lab coat who coincidentally has been trained under their system, right? Not under actual healthcare, but under their specific system of exactly what they want them to know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, it's crazy. Yep. It's nuts. And I'm really, I'm grateful for 2020 that opened me up to- oh a whole different realm life and like thank you covid yes. like literally 100%. Mhm. I mean, essentially this is what viruses are really meant to do if they actually really even exist. But the idea is that, you know, a virus comes forth when people are so out of alignment that like it breeds disease, right? Mm. And you can obviously look into like the contagion myth and bye-bye germ theory and all these books too because there's a lot of evidence to suggest that viruses, bacteria, these things are not actually bad even parasites. I mean, again, there's so much out there that we've been lied to. And I think 2020 started to wake people up real quick. And I noticed something, right? Like, you know, again, there were people that I knew that got affected by whatever COVID was, right? Or whatever Mm -hmm. it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But again, those people were more than likely unhealthy in one way, shape or form. And just because you're fit or you eat well does not mean you're truly healthy because you know what? There are a lot of people that eat well and train, but they also go to a job they fucking hate every day. They sit in traffic. They don't want to be in. They're married to someone they don't want. 
They have no meaning in life. They distract themselves in cycles of pleasure. And to the outside world, they can look fully healthy, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, like my job here is obviously to not talk down on anyone who lost anyone during this time or anything, but it happened already, right? It happened. We can't change it. Mm -hmm. So how do we choose to look at it now? I choose to look at it as a positive event because it helped me really step into my power and take accountability for my life and helped so many other people wake up to the shit show that is the quote unquote matrix going on. Right. Right. And it goes so much deeper than this too. Right. Like I won't get into it fully, but I'm just saying that if anyone likes this, (laughs) yeah, exactly. If anyone likes this kind of stuff, you might want to look into, and Canada has a similar thing. I think every part of the world does, but you might want to look into what being a U.S. citizen truly means. You might want to go to a site called onestupidfuck.com. You might want to look into a lot of different things in that respect as well. Look into, um, I believe the cook, uh, the book is called Meeting Your Straw Man. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many things that I started getting into that are allowing me to get farther and farther away from everything I told I was and mm-hmm. more into what I now choose to be based mm-hmm. on not my identity as a 3D human being named Ryan, but also something much deeper that is my soul. The part of me mm-hmm. that was alive before I ever chose to incarnate in a physical form, you know? And so this is the stuff that I love Again, going back to what we started on the beginning, this is why I'm creating so much space in my life because these are the things I I really feel, at least in my life, and I, I won't project on anyone else, are so important for me to have time to think into. Mm-hmm. Who am I? What am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? What is my purpose? Every single day. If I don't have space for that, then it means that I get to create more space. It's kind of like that saying, meditate 20 minutes per day, unless you're too busy, then meditate for an hour. Mm. Anytime I don't have time for it, it means that I cancel everything because obviously I'm not prioritizing and I'm running a malware program. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, and uh, speaking of programs, you, uh, you're you like birthing something into the world currently yes. in this moment, correct? Tell me yes. about it. I'm so excited, Jess. So, you know, in the past, we had had Connect with Cannabis, we had Grow with Cannabis. And what a lot of our clients were saying is like, listen, you know, we really want to keep this going, you know, and the backbone of everything I do based on the story you heard today is community, right? Like community is really what allowed me to be where I'm at today. And I tell everyone, like, when you join into you know, what we now call the Conscious Cannabis Collective, the reason you think you're joining is not actually why you're joining, right? Like you can learn information anywhere, right? But when you get magnetized to something, it's really because your soul is calling you to discover who and what you truly are and who you're going to become in following your soul. And so the people I'm looking for, the people that for some reason, they just go, I just resonate with this and I want to join, right? And so for people that are interested in becoming cannabis coaches, learning our system, being a part of a budding community, experiencing the most fun homework on the internet, learning how to cultivate their own medicine, learning everything you need to understand to be able to connect with the plant as a spiritual and an ally and be able to benefit from the accountability, coaching support, be into the network of all the amazing people I'm connected to. They're going to be bringing so many amazing things to this. That is the Conscious Cannabis Collective. Right now, we have a wild, wild deal for an entire year in our program that is crazy. And so to get on the wait list, we're going to be releasing this June 15th. It'll never be this cheap again. Go to highlyoptimized.me, apply, hop in, the water's warm, you're going to have an absolute blast. But again, what I always tell everyone is feel into it, right? If this is a fuck yes from your heart, we want to talk to you. If it's not, hey, there's many other amazing things out there. You can reach out to me and I'll recommend you some things, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're looking for those people that probably don't know why, but they just feel a magnetized pull to this. 
And I promise you, if you follow that, I don't know what will happen, but it will be exactly in alignment with who and what you truly are looking to become. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me a little bit what the program offers before we hopped on. So yes. tell, tell everybody what they're going to be getting. Yeah. So you're going to get access to Connect with Cannabis in its entirety, which is the science and ceremony behind everything conscious cannabis related. You're going to learn every single modality we teach and how to connect with the plant as a spiritual and an ally. You're going to learn the science behind it so you can talk the talk with all of your clients. You're going to learn the true history behind it so you can get unplugged from the matrix that is the propaganda around cannabis. You're going to then get the Coach with Cannabis program, which is how to facilitate and coach this type of stuff at retreats, one-on-one, in-person, online, group environments, etc., You're also going to get Grow With Cannabis, which is going to teach you everything you need to know to cultivate the world's highest quality medicine and also learn how to cultivate yourself alongside it by being able to connect with your plants as a positive energetic loop and being able to understand your own energy. And what that means is basically we're going to teach you energetic practices each week to make sure that you have a pattern interrupt of checking into your own energy before you enter your grow room. Because one of the unspoken epidemics of the cannabis industry is that most of the cannabis being grown today, not only is it being grown with chemical salt nutrients, it's also being grown by individuals who are growing in states of fear, anxiety, um, run by companies that are only in it for greed and you know uh, anger and these kind of things. And that is a big deal. And for anyone who thinks this is woo-woo, Look up Joe Patatucci's plant wave system where he shows plants are affected by the energy of the people around him, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to learn everything you need to know to cultivate yourself alongside cultivating your cannabis plants. And also you're going to learn paradoxically how to cultivate anything you want to cultivate because we're teaching you how to work with the soil. We're teaching you how to work with the earth. We're teaching you how to make your own ferments, your own indigenous microorganisms, your own things from Korean natural farming that will empower you with a skill set that will allow you to empower the people that you love, the people, your family, your friends, your clients, right? I want this to spread to the entire world because Mm -hmm. with the food system, the way it is, like we've talked about the medical system, it's important we start taking our power back. And so my ultimate intention is to teach people how to fish rather than just give them a fish. Mm -hmm. And so along with that, you're going to get a year of mentorship from me, my business partner, Alex, um, Jason McCard, like so many of my friends that are high level in what they do. We're going to be having pretty much what it's going to look like is when you join, we're going to have a bunch of calls on the calendar each week that you can attend. You can attend all of them if you want. Ceremony integration calls, grow Q&A calls, morning and nighttime ritual practice with Alex, guest mm-hmm. presenters, live breathe with cannabis ceremonies that me and Chris run that are absolutely epic. We just did one on 420 that we had 30 people show up to. Wow. It was incredible. We just hosted one for Sugar Sean O'Malley and Tim Welch from the UFC privately in uh, Arizona when I went out there. We've had a blast doing these. So you're going to get free access to those every month as well. You're going to get access to other presenters that are coming through just to share what they do. Mark England, individuals Mm -hmm. that, you know, have just changed my life. This is really like the reason I am doing this is much more than just information. It's for experience because I feel experience is the thing that is lacking more than anything and community because I truly feel right now, one of the biggest challenges we are dealing with as a society is not what we're told, which is an epidemic of loneliness. Because loneliness is just the result of the real issue, Mm -hmm. which is an epidemic of an inability to truly feel connected to yourself first and therefore anything external. Because if you don't know who you are and you're not surrounded by people who can validate and tell you like, hey, this is what I see in you. Have you noticed this? These kind of things. If you don't have that, 
you're never going to be able to find any type of connection that's true and deep in the outside world. And so that's what we're cultivating. We're cultivating a conscious community surrounding cannabis and being able to take what cannabis shows us and integrate it so our entire lives become that psychedelic experience. And so guys, it is going to be absolutely bonkers in there. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff coming through. It's super fun. You can find it at highlyoptimized.me. And also if people want to find me, at the real Ryan Sprague on Instagram is my personal profile. Reach out. I love chatting, answering questions. And then if you want to keep up with the podcasts, you can do at highly.optimized. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do all the podcast releases there and you can find them on Spotify, the highly optimized podcast and the this one time on psychedelics podcast. Famous Chase. You just like answered all my questions without <laughs> me even asking. <laughs> I've done so many podcasts now. It's like, it just comes off. I'm like, oh, I probably should have waited. You know? <laughs> nah, you got it. <laughs> You're the best, Jess. This is so uh, much fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> um, so is it kind of like Mighty Networks and Lifted where you have lifetime access or like, is it a limited? What are you going to do? Yeah. So what we're going to do is once you get into the course materials, you have lifetime access to those, right? Cool. You buy in for a year at a time. And really like this year, we're pretty much just charging what we did for Connect Cannabis for the entire year. And so you're going to get access to the courses for life. And then you'll be able to reinstate membership if you would like to after year after year. And we're going to be having our community in Slack for right now. I just like the way it works. We can have different group chats and things like that. More people Mm -hmm. are like easier to pick it up. And so we'll be chatting in there throughout the weeks. Um, but there'll also be all those opportunities to connect on calls. We're going to be doing in-person experiences that only people from the collective are going to have access to just because we don't like to advertise anything in person to people that we haven't vetted. Um, and so again, when we're working with plant medicines like cannabis, we want to make sure we have a strict intake process too, making sure that people understand, like, you know, we want to know their medical history. We want to know like if they have, if they're prone to mental illness, these kind of things, it's very important. And it's something I take a lot of pride in because, Again, being someone who has a voice in this realm, I want to make sure that I'm doing the best I can to keep people safe. You know, mm-hmm. and again, like I, that's why I say, like, if someone is in a position where they cannot afford something like that, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. You can always listen to the podcast. I have the Conscious Cannabis Guide. I have the Ceremony Circle on Facebook, our free group where I do a free call every week. I never want money to be the thing that stands in someone's way. Again, when you purchase into the program, you're going to get a lot more support from many different people, but there are always those avenues. If someone is like, I just can't right now, I lost my job, et cetera, please plug in. Not having money is no excuse. I made Mm -hmm. these things free alongside it so that I could help everyone gain value, regardless of what income level they're at and what they're able to do right now. That's so cool. Oh man. (laughs) And we're like, I think we're at an hour and a half. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It flew by. It flew by. Like, it feels like it's been like 20 minutes. I know. This is awesome. We'll have to do a part two for sure. Definitely. Because I want to know about that cube that you're holding. Yes. All right. So before you've already given all your information, everything will be in the show notes and all the other podcasts. I'll I'll put a couple of the podcasts that you've been on (laughs) that I have listened to in the show notes as well. And then before I let you go, I always ask somebody a quest. I always ask my guests a question of uh, if you could go back to, oh, okay. 11, 11 year old Mm. Ryan, what would you tell him? Let's see. Like so many things popped in. I'm like, relax. One thing. She asked one thing. (laughs) Say whatever you want. (laughs) Let's see. Yeah, I think it's going to be cliche as hell. And we've already talked about it, but follow your heart. It will Mm. always lead you to the exact right people, places and things meant for you. And 
take pride in being weird. That's the other thing. And the third thing, because I like to break rules, would be, I don't know how to translate this into an empowering thing, but um, don't grow up. It's a lie. Like, that's the other thing that I have figured out that like, as I've allowed myself to truly be my joyous goofball Mm. self, that's really what people love. And it's what I love in people. Like when Mm -hmm. I can tell people are laughing, they're joyous, like that is the most attractive thing to me ever. And so the idea of growing up is kind of like get serious, wear khakis, make sure you have a belt on. (laughs) I just like all these things that I'm just like, no, that is not my flavor of ice cream. So those are the three things breaking your rule of one that I would tell. I don't have a rule. I just said, you could tell (laughs) him. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Cool. (laughs) That's what I would tell him. Tell him the conversation you want to (laughs) have. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much for your time and your energy. And you definitely got to come back to like, you have so much knowledge and I, I'm excited to share this episode episode. So thank thank you you. for your time and your space and for being on the magic and daily endurance today. Thank you for charging my battery, Jess. Thank you for everyone tuned in. Love you guys. And this was so much fun. Yeah. I'll come back on whenever you want. Hold up, friends, before you go, hit that review button and give this episode a five-star review. Share it on your social media and do not forget to tag me. I will repost you. Let's spread the magic. Also, 2023 is upon us. Are you tired of the stories that you're telling yourself? Do you want to create your dream life with that dream partner, that dream job? Create better relationships within your life. Good news. You have the opportunity to work with me in 2023. I am offering free workshops throughout the year. Keep your eye on my Instagram. In-person workshops, sound sessions, and one-on-one coaching. If you are interested in changing your life in 2023, send me an email through the link in my bio or find me on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let's make 2023 your best year yet. Until next time, ciao.